Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from October 10th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Jay. You know, I, and well, sorry, I should start by introducing who is sitting with me, which is Robert Otis Helene. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. I was realizing that as I am introducing myself that I always start the same. I don't know if you noticed this, Robbie, but I always start the podcast in the same way. I don't know if you picked up on that yet. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised I true. haven't noticed that. In fact, you should go back and listen. But what I don't do is I never, in, I think I never introduce myself the same way. Sometimes it's Jay. Oh, interesting. Sometimes it's my whole name. Sometimes it's Pastor Jay. Sometimes, I don't know. I always, I always freeze at that point. I always get the, hey, everybody, nail that. Yep. And then it's yep. all downhill from there. No, just that's, that's your, that's your trigger. And then you like to spice it up from there. You like to keep it fresh. Spice. Yes. Keeping <laughs> You can't wait. Spices. It's kind of the opposite of fresh. Did isn't I mix? It? Did I mix? I feel like you know a little metaphors bit metaphors there. Are okay. you a pumpkin guy? It's fall time. Speaking of spices, are you? We a pumpkin had this guy? exact same conversation last year on the podcast. Yes, on oh. the podcast. It's time for the annual "Is Robbie a Pumpkin <laughs> Guy?" conversation. Shoot, I feel like I we sh- did. We can go back. I can. I can we have Kristoff insert a clip. Insert a clip right now. <laughs> how. Of you judging how me lame, harshly for my enjoyment of a pumpkin spice latte. So yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to rehash that that stuff. Maybe we should just jump into the podcast. Then we've got like no. There's no levity. People, you know, what's funny is when um, when we do this nonsense at the beginning, people complain about it until it's not there, and then people oh that's interesting are a little sad that. It feels it feels kind of cold to jump into just whatever we're doing, and not because because this is it feels conversational, right? I think so. Right. So then they feel like okay, well, I'm listening in on this conversation that then works its way to something hopefully valuable and important. And when there isn't that lead up or that warm up, it can just feel, I think, a little cold. Well, a little frigid, frosty, <laughs> a little a little frosty. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can just, we can, we can point out, we can, we don't need to rehash the whole conversation. We no. can just point out the fact that I enjoy pumpkin flavored, you do not. And yet to God's glory, we are able to function in Christian unity together. Nevertheless, that is really good. You're right. If, if you and I can unite, even though you like gross artificial things and I prefer real um, then I feel like it's one way to communicate anybody it. like we, we should be bridging. We should be on all the one news stations and be like, look at us. We have joined hands across look this how divide. We can come together. Yeah. I think, I think especially right now, because it's been such a warm fall, which everyone likes to tell me, everyone likes to tell me, yeah, but it won't last long. It's the classic Wisconsin thing of like beautiful 70 degree day in the fall with the leaves turning and it's just still, but it's just stunning. And, the immediate response after you say it is going to be, well, better enjoy it. It's not going to last long. <laughs> you can't even give me five seconds to enjoy this before you're telling me it's going to be gone. That's like, why it's enjoyable because it's not like this every single right, day. Right. I, I feel like it's, it's implied. That's it's why implied. I like it. Right. It's implied in how wonderful That's I feel what about it. makes it, it special. So, right. So you telling me it's not special or you telling me 
that what makes it special is the fact that it's rare it's and not, not, gonna, not normal gonna, right that's that doesn't that doesn't help my enjoyment of it you're, so you're affirming so speaking of rare and not normal i don't even know where, where to go is this where, going? Where, where is what? this going <laughs> Yes, you uh, you preached this weekend on following Jesus. That's not rare or abnormal. Speaking of rare and abnormal, <laughs> are you going to take another swing at it? I did. You, halfway you landed into, that plane safely. Don't bring it back up again to see if you can crash land it. <laughs> that, that was yeah. That was that. That was totally a pilot crash landing uh, a plane where like something has got an engine he's lost an engine right he lands it you safely land in the field safely. and then thinks i could probably do that better <laughs> i'm gonna pull it up Take, takes it back up <laughs> comes back around <laughs> give it time Let to lose try. the second and then, engine yeah and then crashes and goes oh i guess i was wrong should have should have stayed so. with that first crash landing so you preached this weekend on becoming like jesus yes i have a first question Okay. Because there were things that you got that you left out. You were very yep. concerned about time. I was. Um, which I f- and and based on your comment <laughs> pre-record, I feel like I should clarify. I evidently gave the impression to anyone who has ears and was listening that I I was frustrated or or put off uh, off balance. However you want to say by the amount of time that the testimony took. That was not the case. As soon as you said that, I immediately had that moment where I was like, oh my goodness, I could totally see how that would be the impression. But in the moment, that did not even cross my mind. Um, my In the moment, I'm walking up there and I'm thinking, why did I prepare so many notes? Mm-hmm. Like this is far, I have prepared far too much information. I was just excited about it. I was really pumped. Yep. I was really blessed by my time in the word and just what I felt like the spirit was teaching me through this. And so I just kind of kept writing and writing and writing. And I just, that moment, sometimes when you get at the pulpit and you, you realize in an instant, I have way too much to say. The reality is I actually got in the pulpit at exactly almost to the minute, exactly when I expected to. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't flustered by getting in there late. I was flustered by staring at my own notes and going, I have way too much to say. I need to I need to figure out how to pare this down, um, but I could completely as soon as you said it, I was like, well, was, "Oh no, that's exactly what everybody heard." Yeah, well, like, blabbermouth over here hadn't uh, <laughs> spent so much time blessing us with an awesome testimony of the work of God. I'd have more time for my own ideas. Yeah, well, nobody who knows you would think that. I, but but it is not abnormal for me to ramble and take more time than I was supposed to take. And so there is that piece. It also pulls the curtain back a little bit so people understand the challenge of doing a series like this is that there is so much to say. Yeah. We're trying yeah. to distill this down to the most critical foundational pieces but what you're asking people to do is to say someone who knows um, knows how to build a house and is super excited about the entire house, you're saying, like, just hang with the foundation. Yep. Like, really build that foundation. And you just keep wanting to go, like, oh, and then this is why this foundation is awesome. And you go up yep. these. So it is actually really challenging. These are the series where, like, it's always a valid thing when people have come up to me um well, i should say almost always it's it's most of the time it's a valid thing when someone comes up to me and says oh why didn't you talk about this why i would have i would have 
mentioned this, and I, I usually think you're, yeah, right. That's a really valid point. I and wanted a great to thing. mention all the things. Right. Like I wanted to be up here for the rest of the afternoon because there is so much to right. talk about. But that's not it's generally not way, helpful. No, it's it's not. And so, um, so there is that. Glad we got glad we got past that. That you were not upset with me. <laughs> I love that you. I'm not bummed by testimonies. <laughs> no. If we had spent the whole time on that, that would still be a I, win. I think it was the two seconds in your first mention <laughs> of that. That that's probably what sealed it because they're used to hearing that from me. Right. Fifteen minutes in, of going, oh, that took a lot longer. All right, now I gotta. Now I'm running short on time. But yeah, it's the two seconds in. They're probably yeah. But that, that was the result of me. So I, people, I don't know if people have noticed, but some sometimes I have printed notes and sometimes I preach off of my iPad. And this was a printed note Sunday, and and the fact that you needed and help fact, carrying the right, notes the fact up there. I'm carrying up. They're like spilling over the side of the podium, and I'm going, oh no, this is oh, way no. too much. Like it's just that I'm looking down and seeing the stack and going, this this stack is far too thick to, to be able to get through all this right now you're asking jeff to bring up a side table where you can hold all your notes <laughs> the rest of the notes well and and so that is the point that it it does it's just the nature of a series like this it, yeah. that happens anytime but especially in a series like this that where we're saying okay we we got to communicate what's the most important thing that people need to hear from this and when you're talking yeah. about becoming like jesus that leads to my probably my first my first question for you is we actually this the sermon title for this changed um we we said we belong to Jesus um be with Jesus and then the third one originally was be like Jesus yeah. but then you changed it to become like Jesus so yeah. why what's the difference you are the you are the hair splitting wordsmith guy which i, I really appreciate am. but this is one of the times where um this is one of the rare abnormal times where I agreed that it was important enough to do. <laughs> Speaking of rare and abnormal. Yeah. No, I thought this was an I important distinction. So could you could you tell the nice people what why that was an important distinction? The difference between yeah. again that so everybody heard that it was be like Jesus and it be and instead we changed it to become like Jesus. That's that's a great question. I wish I had explained that in the sermon. Um, that probably would have been helpful. Uh, two reasons, really. The first one being, be like Jesus, I think, implies, like, pretend you're like this other person, right? So it's just, it's 100% behavior modification. Just act like this. Um, pretend you're this thing. Versus um, what what scripture says is happening in us, that God, as he is reforming us into the image of Christ, into the image of his son, that is a transformational inside out change. So it isn't just like, be like this person uh, along the lines of like, hey, watch a video of Tiger Woods swinging a golf club and try to swing like him. Like that, that's not like that. It, it made it, it diminished it to the point of making it feel so trivial um, that, that we just didn't like that. Um, and then the other thing is it's, it is, um, which is really just the other side of the coin of the same point. It's not two distinct points. It's that this is ultimately God's work in us, not simply my behavior modification. Just change these activities. Don't act like this person, act like that person. Um, it is it is a work of the Holy Spirit of the living God from the inside out to literally transform me into a different person. So it's not just, I am completely uniquely Robbie, 
pretending to be someone else. Mm-hmm. It is God is literally forming me into Christ. I My desires will become his desires. The things that he loves will become the things that I love if I allow him to do that work in me. And so it's so much bigger than just be like this person, just mm-hmm. kind of mimic this person and be interested in the things he's interested in. It is literally like I am be- in, in, in a very real and kind of mystical aspect, I am becoming that person like and not in a way that makes me less of who i am in the weird way that only god can do i am becoming more fully who i am as i look more and more like christ because the the all the stuff that doesn't look like jesus that's being stripped away is my sin nature and my selfishness and my disordered desires and and the false ideas that i live my life by it's all those things that are getting stripped away which means the more I look like Jesus, the more I look like God actually intended me like uniquely to look in the first place. So right, know, that might be a whole other discussion, but So that's a so just if I could interject in there, I think what's so important about that and so what's been so helpful to me personally in in my life has been um there was a time where I would watch other people who were more spiritually mature than me and they would it would make me feel guilty or make it would make it would mm. it would mm-hmm. discourage me yeah because i would look at that and i would see them doing something and i would be like i i don't have that in me i i would never i can't ever imagine being willing to give that up or being willing to spend my time doing that or or wanting to go and pursue this thing yeah. or um but when i realized this idea of becoming like jesus realizing oh it was it that should serve more of a picture of a promise. It's it's not a right. burden on me. It's a promise of who Jesus says you know, you're going to also want that. Like, it, and I think it's because it's so hard for us to imagine our desires changing, which is funny yeah. because our desires change all the time. All the time. Like what you wanted last week is not likely you know this week. Every every kid who's ever made a Christmas list, I would wish I could go back and find my Christmas lists from you know twelve years old, thirteen yeah. or whatever, because our desires change all the time. It's interesting to me that we, but we, but we have a hard time imagining them changing, mm-hmm. which is why we make a lot of the decisions that we make that we end up regretting in our life because right. at the time it made a lot of sense. But if we were even aware that I don't think this is always going to make sense to me, or I don't know that I will always want right. this, right. then that would probably be enough to hold us back from some, yep. you know, bad moves. But the reality is we still, we fully believe that what we act, what we want what we think we want in the moment is like this time for real, right? Like this time, this yep. is no, I'm sure. Um, and so the idea, the promise that no, you're becoming that way, that God will give you grace and change you and shape you so that you will, you will go somewhere that you never imagined that you could go because everything about you is actually changing. You're not just, right. like you said, you're not just imitating someone and being like, well, I guess I'll just go and force myself to go do what they do. And that that'll work out. It's it's you're going to actually be changed into a person who does those things. That's right. That's right. And and because we don't like that's hard to imagine because we very it's it's not a an a rational process of I'm going to sit down and choose instead of desiring this thing I'm now going to desire this other thing like and so we don't even realize when it's happening to us most of the time. So right. so the idea of 
picturing how to do that. We don't know. We don't know how to do that because we didn't know that we were, even though we do it all the time, we right. don't realize that we're doing it because we're not trying to do that. So it just, it feels like one of those really complicated things of how do I, how do I do on purpose this thing that I do subconsciously all the time, that the only time I ever do it is when I'm not thinking about it. Right. So now do it on purpose. Like that's really difficult. That's really complicated. But like from a spiritual standpoint, I mean, Christ is literally making me a different person. Like there are, there are sins in my past that were crippling and felt like I will never get past this. Like I will struggle with this my entire life. I will never get any kind of freedom from this. Like it's just too hard. It is too pervasive. Like, and it's just it's who you are. It's 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 it so is, ingrained in your identity of who really you am. think you are. And yeah, and there and some of those things now, not only are not a struggle, not because like I through my white knuckled diligence right. like conquered it, but because God changed my desires in such a way where it's not a temptation anymore because I I don't even I didn't think of it. Like it doesn't come up. It's not like right. I got really good at choosing the better thing every time I really wanted to do this thing. I simply don't want to do that thing anymore. There's there's something better. There's something I would rather do, and so that doesn't come up. That's like that's what we're talking about. Like he he literally alters our desires in in such a way that um, that I desire the better thing. And so mm-hmm. in in some of those ways, it stops becoming a battle. It stops becoming a a wrestling because I don't. I don't want that other thing anymore. Now there are other things that are still bad right. and are still wrestling and do still require an enormous amount of intentionality, but I can I can attack those things with the hope of knowing, man, I've seen I've seen the other side of some of these battles. In theory. And I've seen well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I certainly mean, man, certainly I, they can rear their rear just, their heads again, but like I I don't know if it's just me, but that is a struggle for me. Like I I am so confident in what the Holy Spirit is able to do in you. Like I've sat with people and mm. just been across from them and just been like, God will give you victory over this. Like I believe he will transform you. He will make you new. And I am 100% on board with that. Mm. And then in myself, I don't believe it at all. Like in yeah. myself, I it doesn't matter how many things he has sanctified out of me, the things that, that are still very much battles for me, I feel like, well, this will probably never change. Yeah. And, and I don't think I'll ever... I, and. I don't know what that I don't know what that is because um because I I I acknowledge the inconsistency of that um yeah. of why would I why do I think the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to change you but not powerful enough mm-hmm. to change me that's obviously not what I believe um I don't know if it's that I believe that my sin is deeper or I should know better or like whatever the case is there's all kinds of things yeah usually a mix but, of all the above right and so I just I throw that out there because like the doubt the believing that God actually is doing this and is powerful to do it and wants to do it yeah. um is is critical in this and then like I think and I don't know if this was the second thing did you get to the second thing cuz I was thinking about the becoming is like this process you yeah. know that it's not I you know I remember when I was younger in the faith I was really crippled by the fact that like I I came I came to Christ at 11 years old and so I've, I've mentioned before of how at 11 years old, like it's not, I wasn't without sin, but my sin was 
little looked a little different than the yep. person who comes to Christ at forty. You know, who has done like at eleven years old. I was like, maybe I was rude to somebody in yep. in class. You yep. know, I didn't obey my mom and dad all the time. Like I remember um, sneaking all the gum and chewing all the gum behind the TV. Yep. You remember the big floor TVs? Those oh, big yeah. massive things? Yeah. It was so big that it would hide me, and I was not a small child. Um, I would hide by, at least I thought I was hiding. I was probably hanging out. Never mind. That's, all of a sudden, I'm having flashbacks and going, I did not hide that nearly as well as I thought I did. But um, like those were the things I thought of. Well, then I became a teenager, yeah. and like everything goes haywire in you. And, yeah. and I, for a long time, I really struggled with the fact that I had a lot of friends who had the testimony of... I was a sinner, Christ saved me, and now my life looks totally different, and I don't, yeah. basically, I don't sin anymore. And I was like, well, what do I do? Because Gosh. I knew Christ, and yeah. then I sinned. And I, I didn't realize, like, I think, um, so this idea that you're, that is this, this process, like you are becoming like Jesus and that it is not something where once you come to Christ, you stop sinning. And we, we've interpreted some scripture in that way. Like Paul to the Corinthians saying, like, you know, talking about all these sins and saying, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were cleansed. Like there is this duality of we are called to something better. We are empowered to become something yeah. better, something more like what we were supposed to be. We are meant to act in faith in that direction, but we are also going to be battling our flesh as long as we are here on earth. How do you, so I guess, I mean, one of my questions would be how, um, that was a lot of groundwork for a question, but I think, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with is like, it, isn't it worse? You know, my, my sin certainly, if I know the truth and I don't obey it. Like if I know, um, if I know what is sin, I do not do it. Like if I know what is right or what is wrong and I know what Christ is calling me to, like there is an element to which, yeah, like if you know Jesus and you know what he's calling you to, then you should, you should obey, um, and follow him. But at the same time, we know that this is a process of becoming like him. It's not this, like you, it just turns it off. And now all of a sudden you never disobey. What, What's important for us to think about when it comes to that process? Like, how do we weigh that mm-hmm. out of like calling ourselves to account and not giving into sin, not going like, well, you know, nobody's perfect, I'm still just going to sin, and I'm still a sinner, but then believing that my identity is not that anymore. My identity is that I belong to Christ and I'm righteous in Christ. Like, this is just, these are the hard tensions yeah. in scripture. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really hard. And I, maybe as I begin to answer this, I'll hopefully fine tune it. But I mean, I immediately came back to the dis- the distinction between being like Jesus and becoming like Jesus, right? So my, my first thought is I have to remember that it is not mimicry, but reformation. And that ultimately it is God's work and God's promise that I get to participate in, not my work that he's expecting me to accomplish. So when when I understand that he is making me into a new person and, and I actually desire that, then that becomes something that I I joyfully pursue. Like we're willing we're willing to endure hardships for things that we're really excited about. Like that we that we actually want to 
accomplish, that we want to be, that we want to do. Um, and so starting from that point of, do, do I view this as like, this is this burden, this weight that God has placed on me when I'm operating in that mindset, which is much more often than I would care for it to be. Then I am overwhelmed with the, I should know better. Why is this still a struggle for me? I'm never going to get any freedom from this. When I can, when, when I'm, and when I'm believing that lie, then that's, that's what I'm operating out of. When I can, when I can replace that lie with the truth that God says, before I breathed creation into existence, I determined to make you look more like Jesus. Like that is kind of the first step in, in lifting a bit of that burden of realizing like this, this is actually ultimately something God said, I'm doing this. I decided to do this and, and I mm. fulfill my promises. Um, so that gives me the hope of like, wait a minute, this is his promise that he just, he allows me to participate in. And then, and then the new Testament doubles down on that with, you know, he who began this good work in you is faithful to complete it. Like it is based on his faithfulness, not mine. So when I can, when I can replace the lie that it all depends on me, that, uh, you know, I misinterpret what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes and I go, well, if I don't cut off both my hands and my feet and gouge out my eyeballs, then I'm just going to fall victim to all this sin. Like, and it's all on me. It's all up to me. Like that's, that's when I feel this crushing burden and, and it's only in replacing that, that lie with, with the truth that, that God himself declares that, you know, this is, this is my work that I am doing in you. I am faithful you can trust my faithfulness to complete what I set out to do. And so like, like Paul, like, so reach out and take hold of that for which Christ has already taken hold of you, right? Like, yes, I've got you, I'm carrying you through this. Now you reach out and grab hold of me, trust me in this, yeah. even though I'm the one who's actually accomplishing all of this. So I think the reason that that take hold is a piece that I would say then, so, because what what then would stop us from just being lazy in the fight against sin? So, because the other ditch yeah. that we would then fall into is to say, okay, this is God's work in me. He's faithful. He's going to do it. He's going to complete it. So, the fact that I am not obeying Him at all is fine because eventually He's going to change this. And every time I lose my temper, I just look at it and say, well, I guess He hasn't fixed that yet. Yeah, I, I guess he hasn't changed that in me yet, but you know, I'm I'm trusting in his faithfulness to do it. He'll do it someday. He'll, when he gets around to it, he'll do that. Um, you know, I, like yeah, I still don't want to give financially. Like, still don't want to do that, but he'll change my desires. And when he does, then I'll I'll start doing that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, yeah. So, what role then? And I know you definitely touched on this um, and talked about this in the sermon, but what? How do we how do we handle that tension a little bit of saying like yeah. okay, because um, you like you mentioned the sermon that unlike salvation where that is completely the work of God that He just opens our eyes and breathes life into our bodies and into our souls, um, sanctification He has chosen to let yeah. us join in that work, um, even though it is still Him alone that can do the work. He's the only one that has the power to do that to actually change us. But he has 
purposed that we would be participants mm-hmm. in that. So how do you, how do you, um, like, let's take a really practical situation and say, okay, I know what is right. We'll get a little Roman seven in here, but like, I know, like what I want to do is I want to say the scathing thing. Yeah. I want, I want to make you feel the weight of like, I want to make you feel wrong and I want to make you know, like how you're being wrong and how you wronged me, how this, like, I want you, I want my pound of flesh. I want you to yeah. feel this, yeah. but I know that that is not Christ honoring in that moment. We'll get to yeah. whether you know that or not, but like, let's right. say, you know, it, you know, I know I shouldn't say this or I shouldn't say this like this, but I want to, what do I do in that moment? Do I say, well, I, I want to, so I guess that means God hasn't changed this in me. So I'm just going to go ahead and give in to the flesh and just, cause that's who I am right mm-hmm. now. And I'll just pray and ask for forgiveness and pray, God, would you, you know, take that desire away? So I don't want to say that anymore. Or do I white knuckle it and bite my tongue and, um, and walk away with it probably still brewing inside of me? Yeah. Or is there a third option? Is there some, is there some other way to handle that? That's not white knuckling and that's not like throwing up my hands and surrender. Ooh, white flag or white knuckling. White, white flag or white knuckles. That's, I like that a lot. I'm going to, I'm writing that one down. Throw that one down there. It's going to be the title of my book, subtitle of my book. There you go. Um, I, I think that's a really, that's a really great question. It is. And I think this, this circles back to whether you did that intentionally or not. That's a great transition back to like actually taking Jesus at his word and doing what he says. So, so Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide in me. And the way you abide in me is by obeying my commandments. So if you pull out either one of those, right, then you don't get the other one. And if you pull out either one of those, you get either a white knuckle or a white flag. Right? So it's just about abiding in him. I just love him and he'll fix it. Well, but then he said, and the way you love me is by doing the things that I commanded. Well, if I just pull that one out, then I go, so it's all about I fix it. Like I got to do it. I got to fix it. Jesus is is trying to help us understand there is a tension here right. where the way you get to see me doing it is by you walking in what I tell you to do. So when you actually pray for that person who is persecuting you, like I said, even though in the moment you may be feeling like, I don't really want to do this, but you said I should do this. And so I'm going to choose to trust you in this moment. And so I'm going to choose to pray for this person who's persecuting me and not pray that God would call down brimstone on his face, but pray God's highest and best for him, that God would reach him uh, with his his transformative gospel and make him his own, that God would bless her and and uh, and make his face shine upon her. Like, I'm going to choose to do that, even though that's hard right now, because I'm going to choose to trust Jesus. And in doing that, in in abiding in him, then I get a glimpse of, wow, I didn't even know that I could do that. I didn't, I didn't even know I was capable of doing that. 
To which Jesus replies, I know, right? Technically you're not, but I'm doing that in you and through you and, and will continue to do that. And, and as you continue to do that, I'm capable of getting you to a place where you don't even hate this person anymore. Like it doesn't even feel like effort to pray for this person's best because you actually genuinely, sincerely love them and want God's mm -hmm. best for them. Like you are able to see them with my eyes. And so no, like it's not a white knuckle. It's not a, I'm doing this duty, even though I hate every aspect of it. Like, I think there's, we have to be able to draw a distinction between the, the problem of I'm doing this, even though I absolutely hate it. And I'm doing this because I trust Jesus, even though it's hard. Right. Those are very different attitudes. So there's the, I think that is so key and so critical that you, what you said there and this idea that what I say in that moment is I, I'm visibly, I'm, I'm reminding myself of the presence of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I trust you. I know what you are calling me to, and I trust you. It's very different than saying, I trust this principle or this truth. And this is, this I think is really critical because if you, um, because I mean, I don't know, Robbie, you've been, you were in youth ministry a long time. I have been in youth ministry. I was in youth ministry a long time. And I remember hearing from people who would say, you know what? I, especially about dating relationships, they would say, I did everything the way God told me to do it. And it didn't work out. Like yeah. I didn't end up, I didn't end up getting married or I got married and my marriage was terrible. And we did everything God's way and it didn't work out. Well, what that's communicating is kind of that white knuckle thing of, yeah. I believe in this principle. And so if I do things the right way, then good things will happen. Yeah. And that is a false understanding of the way the world works and the way scripture works. That's right. If, if by doing things, so let's take that example where um, sometimes it'll happen with asking for forgiveness. If, if you and I are in an argument or we get into a fight and we both say things that, you know, we're wrong and you say something hurtful to me and I say something hurtful to you. Um, I might look at that and say, okay, I know I need to be, I need to go and approach and I need to apologize. If I, if I'm doing that with the mindset of doing that is, is this, this principle of going and you ask for forgiveness and then it will be reciprocated. Then what happens if I ask for forgiveness and I say, you know, Hey, I said some things I shouldn't have said. And your response is, yeah, I agree. Well, I accept your apology. We've all had that yeah. situation where you put yourself out there and the person just responds in a way that it didn't, it didn't work. Right. <laughs> but if the goal is, if I, if I'm shifting it away from this principle that is supposed to be the way the world works and that when you do, when you do it the way that God intends, then things work out better for you. There are ways in which that is true. And there's certainly blessings in that. And that is the way the kingdom will work. But here on earth, it doesn't always pan out that way. Yeah. You can be the honest businessman who goes bankrupt while your competitor who was unethical succeeds. Yeah. And we have to remember that. So the goal can't be, it, it's not my devotion is to this principle. And then I follow this principle so that things will work out. It's it, my devotion is to this person. That's right. And if in that moment, if like I go to you and apologize and I'm doing it because I'm just clinging to Jesus and I'm saying, I know this is what you're asking me to do, Jesus. Yeah. I trust you. And I go in there and I do that. And then you 
unleash a barrage of like, yes, you, that I'm right. Everything I said was the worst and I'm a terrible friend and, you know, whatever. My reward is still that I'm abiding in Jesus. That's right. And and then he's holding me or he's got his arm around me and That's being right. like this. You, you, it's, it's now I'm looking at him and he's saying like, you honored me here. Like this is, yeah. this is, this is better in the kingdom. Um, Man, that was exactly and, the picture that just that that conjured up is is walking away from that with mm-hmm. Jesus' arm around me, going, "Whew, that that was rough." Yep. Good thing we're in this together, and and great job, son. That was yep. like that was really great. Um, I'm proud of you. Like that sense of like not okay. Well, you checked off the box, so now I have to bless you. Like, yeah. or now I can't be mad at you. But like this real sense of like. And hey, not, I was standing and, with you in that. I right. know that was hard. I know that wasn't your first choice, but you trusted me, and and that was great. And we're in this together. And and also not him walking away being like that. Robbie's a jerk, right? Exactly. Like he's he's walking away saying thank you for doing what I asked you to do. That will be helpful as I soften his heart and yep. work in him. Yep. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that is so important. Like we've all had situations where someone has apologized. I'm assuming maybe I'm just in a lot more conflict. But when someone apologizes to me and I'm not ready yet, like I'm still angry, I'm still frustrated or whatever, but their their humility in that God will use to um, convict me later. Mm-hmm. So um, I do want to touch on one more thing. I don't know if you, do we have time for yeah, one more thing? Okay. So hopefully that's helpful in the white knuckle or white flag. That's I really, I'm really excited about that. It's good. It's my best things come out when I'm not thinking. That's my lesson that I've taken from this: is stop thinking, just talk. Is that is that good, Robbie? Is that per, fly sound? by the seat of your pants? Fly by the seat of your pants. What someone might say. Um, okay, you had a quote in your sermon which I thought was awesome, and I don't even know if it was in your notes or not because it's definitely a very Robbie esque <laughs> thing to say. So if it wasn't, I would totally believe that because it's just that I was like, oh, that sounds like something you'd say in conversation. But you said that Jesus, and even the phrasing of it was so Robbie-esque, Jesus 100% knows the best way to follow Jesus. I'm pretty sure I quoted that like verbatim. I think you might have quoted that verbatim, yeah. Because it was such a Robbieism um, to say something like that, even the structure of the sentence. Um, but I think this is one of the simplest things that you said and one of the hardest things that you said. Because... Yeah. It's obvious, like, duh. Well, of course, nobody knows how to follow Jesus better than Jesus. Right. And yet he is often the last voice we go to to discern how we should follow Jesus. Yeah. And it was punctuated by, I had a conversation afterwards, um, and somebody asked, like, we were just, we were talking about the current events of the day. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked, are you... are you saying we should just do whatever the government says to do? And my gut response to that is no, I'm not saying that. And then the next morning I read sermon on the Mount where Jesus says things like if someone strikes your cheek, turn to them the other cheek. If they ask you to carry their things for one mile, go two miles. If they ask for your cloak, give them your tunic as well. And I thought thinking, well, that, that sure sounds 
like maybe <laughs> that's uncomfortable yeah i i struggle with those like he's um you know i've struggled with this like financially when jesus talks about selling your possessions and giving them to the poor yeah and we think like well he doesn't mean all my possessions right like well what is what does that even mean you know and you mentioned earlier the cutting off your hand and throwing it into the fire so man what do we do like if jesus knows the best way to follow jesus like number one why don't we believe him like why do we functionally not right believe him and then what do we do with some of those things like how how do we walk through that yeah that's hard i mean number one we don't we i mean because we don't want to right why do we not believe him because we don't want to because his way sounds harder and less satisfying so we're we convince ourselves that that is not the better way jesus does not know better jesus does not have a better understanding of reality and how people and relationships and hearts and God works. Um, Because if he did, then he wouldn't be suggesting this. Um, Or we go, because we know he does, obviously he didn't mean what he said. He doesn't actually expect us to obey that because obviously he knows how things really work, and so he wouldn't intend us to do that, which is a really bizarre and very... I mean, that's that's a tough ball to balance on top of, to... To, to try to defend that biblically, but my heart does that all the time, right? Because mm-hmm. my heart is always looking for justification, um, not in Jesus, but in myself and and trying to explain away why I don't have to obey Jesus. Um, and then and then some of what makes that tricky is sometimes Jesus is hyperbolic right. in what he says. Sometimes he is very straightforward, right? When he says, give to anyone who asks of you, I think what he means is give to anyone who asks of you. Like that's not hyperbolic. That's very straightforward. He said, if someone begs of you, give some, give it to them. If someone asks to borrow money, give it to them. And and we want to immediately go. Well, no, I mean, but how do you know what? What if? What if I'm pretty sure they're going to spend it on something bad? Or what if you know they're in that position because of their sinful decisions? Jesus doesn't allow for any of that. He just said that the qualifying factor is: Did they ask you? Well, yeah. Then yes. And the answer is yes. That's very straightforward. That's not hyperbolic. Um, I want to try to make it hyperbolic because then I feel like, obviously, that's too extreme to ever be taken seriously, but it's not. Now, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it in the fire is clearly hyperbolic. And we know that for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jesus is quite clear throughout the duration of his teaching that your hand doesn't cause you to sin. Right, your heart causes you to sin. So he's saying, if this fictitious so you cut thing, your heart out, right? So cut your heart out exactly. Um, your hand is can never cause you to sin. It is it is your heart and your disordered desires and and believing um, deceptive ideas that that motivate sin. So so that's not ever the source. His point is functionally there's almost nothing too extreme that you can do to avoid like this is how serious sin is is nothing should be off the table like like i should be willing to consider just about any option to to eliminate sin from my life like i should not say things like well i know that you know i have a i have a completely out of control problem with alcohol but you know if i stop going to the bar then i'm not going to get to see those friends anymore and so like 
obviously I shouldn't go that far. Like we would encourage that person, man, ask him to meet you at Starbucks. Right. Like I'm not telling you to cut off those relationships, but that's not the place to do it. Or maybe you need to cut off some of those relationships yeah. because those are people who are always going to put a drink in your hand. And so we would say like, man, we need to go to extreme measures. Jesus' point is sin is this serious that we need to, to take drastic action in that. Our problem is that far too often we go, well, obviously he doesn't intend for us to cut our hand off because that's, that's silly. He's being poetic. Therefore, I will do nothing. I will make no effort whatsoever right. to eliminate sin from my life. Like, and rather, I, I need to be able to say, Jesus, is, Jesus thinks this is such a big deal that he's making an almost comical illustration of this is how serious it is. So that should motivate action on my part to, to really to take him seriously in that, to believe that it really is that serious, and then make intentional steps toward obeying that. But man, it's, it is hard. It's difficult. It is hard. So I think one thing that's really important to make sure everybody understands is that I, I noticed, I've noticed this before in having conversations with people over the years that I, I realize, okay, well you, you just think when, when we call people to radically trust Jesus and follow Jesus, I think sometimes people think, well, that's because that's where I've, that's where I've landed, that that's my opinion of how things should yeah. be done. Yeah. They don't realize like how big of a battle this is for us as well. That's like right. when I when I'm calling people, I mean, look there there is there is a temptation in pastoral ministry in preaching to only call people to what you are either what other, what you have victory over in your life or what you feel confident in. It's very scary to call people to something that you aren't that you also struggle with. And because you, you can feel like a hypocrite, you can feel like, um, you know, wh whatever the case is, you can, you can be afraid that then somebody's going to ask you to, you right. know, like, oh, well, then are you doing this? And you're like, no, I'm not. That's, but that's why I preached it. It was because we all right. need to hear this. Um, like these are actual struggles. Like we read, right. we read scripture and we hear Jesus saying these things. You think, am I actually doing that? And I think you're right that what we tend to do is we, we want, whatever we do, we want to try to um, manipulate it so that we clear whatever bar we've set. Yeah. Because what we're trying to do is protect our own righteousness in the moment. Like I've got to, I've got to twist this. I have to interpret it. I'll bring in something from, you know, from Leviticus that will make me that, that'll like say, well, but this sheds light on it. Not realizing that what Jesus is doing is he's shedding light on the rest, all of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So when he, when he tells us to do this, he's either saying something literal, which then probably means we should do that, like literally do that. Yep. Or he's doing it. Yeah. Like you said, he's speaking metaphorically or hyperbolically. Um, and, but he's not doing that. So he would be dismissed. He's doing right. that to illustrate a point. How serious this right. is. So I think like for me, when I, when I look at that, I, I guess I would just say, I would say this, that when you read something in scripture that talks about, say, um, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor. Um, I think the biggest mistake that we can make is to say, well, that's not reasonable. Therefore I'll just ignore it. Yeah. That's the worst. That's the worst. 
Instead, we also we need to pursue that and say, well, what does what does this mean? What am I actually called to do? What does this mean? What is he saying about money? What is he saying about my responsibility to others? What is he saying? Like, what is my heart in this? And and then that's combined with going back to the whole white knuckle or white flag kind of thing, saying, okay, the issue here is that I need to trust Jesus. Yeah. So it means like now I'm having a conversation with Jesus through the Holy Spirit saying, okay, what do you mean? Yeah. I, I want to trust you. I want, I, I trust you. I want to believe. I want to follow you. Um, but I don't know what this means. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm scared of what this means. We, at least in my life, I, to my shame, have not done that a lot of times when I'm afraid of what the answer will be. Like yeah, I'm afraid, sure. I'm afraid he's going to say, yeah, well, what I meant was I want you to sell all this stuff and give it all away. Right. But that goes back to the idea of becoming like Jesus, exactly. saying like, okay, do I believe that if that's what Jesus asks me to do, that he will give me the grace and the faith to do it? Yeah. And that it's better. And that's better, but that I believe he'll actually, like as I'm stepping out in faith and saying, okay, I'm trusting you as I list, you know, list my house for sale or list my car for sale, you know, or whatever the case is. Okay, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm clinging to you in this. Yeah. Um, I think that that, and and that's especially important right now in in the world that we live in because it gets very muddy and very confusing when we, um, just think of Christianity in terms of principles because then at right. that point what we're doing is we're selectively choosing the things that that feel most comfortable for us to follow, and in the midst of all this chaos. What is clear is that Jesus is is looking at his disciples and saying, me, follow me. Like all this stuff, all this craziness is going on around you. But but what you need to do is hang on to me through this and I will lead you through this. So I hope I mean, I don't I don't know. Like, I just think I think this is challenging. I think that I, I hope in kind of, you know, recapping some of this, what I really gleaned from this conversation and from the sermon it's just this hope that, again, that we are becoming like him. It is a process. It is a promise. It is a an incredible gift. Like becoming like Jesus is better than, than where we are right now, ravaged by sin and desires that end up in emptiness and destruction. Um, he is delivering us from that. He has already delivered us, and he is delivering us from it. And that becoming like him means trusting in him to do that work in us, while we cling to him in faithful obedience in each step, in each interaction, in each moment. And that if you are sitting there and you're reading, you read the New Testament and you're feeling overwhelmed and thinking, I don't know that, I don't know if I can do this. Well, you're not alone. But the answer, like what my encouragement would be to press more into Jesus. Don't, don't compartmentalize. Don't separate yourself. Um, it's really common right now that people will separate themselves. Not only they'll separate themselves from God, they'll separate themselves from the word. So they'll do that in terms of like, they'll say that they're a person of the Bible, but they don't actually read the Bible. They just are, they have kind of determined this is what the Bible says. And it's this conglomeration of different ideas and principles and views. Um, but they're afraid. They're actually afraid to read the Bible because it might contradict that. And 
we have other people who just say like, I'm afraid to pray because I'm afraid of what God's answer will be. I was, I'm comfortable with where I am. Or they'll say, I've withdrawn from the church because when I'm around other people who are following Jesus and they're following him in a different way, that makes me uncomfortable. And so I don't, I just, I don't want to face any of that. I I've, I've created, I've arrived where I want to arrive. I'm good with where I am. And if that's you, I would just caution you and say that is not biblical Christianity. None of us have arrived. Paul says, not that I have already attained this prize. Like I haven't, like I, but I yeah. press on. That's Paul. That's Paul. If anybody could have bragged about things, like, but he, he said, I haven't attained this, but I press on. And so that should be our posture. We should be constantly challenged by the words of Scripture, by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, by his direct commands of us. We should constantly be feeling challenged, but also hopeful, knowing that he will do this in us and that we can pursue him in faithful obedience together so that we stir one another up to good works. We encourage one another in the same pursuit to, to attain the abundant life that he has offered to us and has given freely to us. And because we're in it together, as always, I want to extend the invitation that if we can help you in any way, uh, that is our joy, our privilege, and our role. So please reach out, either grab us on a, on a Sunday after service or at an area lunch, um, shoot us an email. Um, there's, there's a lot to this, and that's why we don't say any of these things flippantly, um, and it's why Jesus says, like, we need, we need one another. You need, Jesus tells us, you need me, you can't do any of this apart from me. And then he calls the people together because he knows we need one another. That it's it's following Jesus and becoming like Jesus together. So um, let us help you in that if if we can. Uh, as you are seeking Jesus, we are seeking Jesus, and so uh, we have the same end in mind. So let's help one another in that goal. We love you, and uh, in the meantime, grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm.